The Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. You I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Quite possibly, the single most important life lesson I have learned, and to be honest, the one that I continually have to relearn, came from my relationship with my dad. As a child growing up, my expectations for how a father should love his family were strongly influenced by what I will call TV dads. I'm referring to the kinds of dads shown on sitcoms, the ones who coached their kids' sports, who showed up for their band concerts and plays, who ate breakfast with their family and were always home for dinner, who helped with homework and attended school conferences, who took the time to play a game or read a book together or just talk about the day. My dad wasn't like that. Frankly, he was less attentive, less present, and less patient. And as for my part, (laughs) well, I carried a strong sense of deep disappointment about that, sometimes even resentment that my dad was so unlike those TV dads. I came to believe that if I just worked harder and accomplished more, I would most certainly eventually earn his attention and his favor in the very narrow ways I had come to equate with love. But no matter what or how much I did in an effort to earn that love, no matter how desperately I tried or how much I achieved in an effort to attract his attention, it was never enough to produce the results I desired. Nothing I did made him show his love for me as I expected. Some of you know that I am blind in my right eye. I was born with an underdeveloped eye and have no vision in it. 
My parents never treated this as a disability. In fact, we rarely spoke of any difference this made for me. So, when Kirby Puckett retired from baseball after he lost vision in his eye, it was this huge revelation to me. I remember thinking, well, no wonder I could never see the ball. <laughs> that is how little we talked about my vision. I remember learning how to drive. My dad would sit in the passenger seat and tell me repeatedly to center the car in the lane. And each time I assured him that the car was, in fact, centered. He suggested that I use that little rise in the hood and make sure that was centered between the lines, which I did, and which it was, at least as far as I could see. And then one day, while out practicing driving with him, my dad exclaimed, there, that's it, you are in the center. In response, I insisted that I was not in center at all, but rather I had drifted. My dad was adamant, no, this is the center. And then he said, now look at where that little rise is and keep the car there. For me, it was nowhere near center. But I did learn how to find center after that. We both, my dad and I, learned something that day. We discovered the difference in the way we saw things. And that difference in seeing became a metaphor for our relationship. I was a young adult, college age, I suppose, when I learned that on the day I was born, when it was readily evident that something was very wrong with my eye, my dad asked the doctors immediately if he could take one of his eyes and give it to me. This, of course, was long before I had done a single thing long before I was capable of doing a thing to earn his love, to be worthy of his attention, or to merit his favor. That sacrificial offer was a deep and pure expression of love, not for what I had done, but for who I was, his. I learned a very important life lesson about love from my dad. I learned that the deepest expression of love is sometimes overlooked. And I learned that it cannot be earned or merited, but only received as a gift. January 6th marks the beginning of the season of Epiphany. It's also the season of starting again and anew. During this time, it's traditional to mark the new year with resolutions and intentions, and some people even create vision boards. Someone once said that resolutions are really a kind of confession 
and admission that we have not been what we wanted to be, that we desire to do better, to be better, to do more, to be more. In essence, a resolution can feel like an acknowledgement that we have fallen short. And so, we lean into the new year, ripe with possibility and opportunity, and we find ourselves full of will and resolve and determination as we pledge to do better. It's in that context that we hear the story of the day that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. If you have ever seen love narrowly, like I have, if you have ever struggled to be enough, to do better, to love better, to be loved better, like I have, you need to hear this story. Because it's about the deep and the pure love that God has for you. In the reading for today, Mark tells us that people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going to the River Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. The illumination in St. John's Bible for Mark's Gospel, a copy of which is located in the narthex, just the right of the elevator, that illumination depicts the scene that day as busy, even chaotic. I mean, given the crowds, all the people from the countryside, all the people from the city of Jerusalem, and what else would you imagine? In 2022, our group of travelers from St. Philip the Deacon visited one of the baptismal sites in the Holy Land where we stepped into the water and we remembered our own baptisms. The day was warm and sunny, the river was muddy, and the path leading to the water was wet and slippery. The crowds were enormous. It was post-pandemic and tourist season was at its peak. There were so many people jockeying for position just to get into the water, so much so that it was a challenge to keep from being pushed or bumped as we tried to keep our group together. I imagine the day described in our gospel reading was very much like that. Crowded, noisy, chaotic, and yet filled with a sense of excitement and energy and eagerness, even urgency. Mark tells us that John was baptizing person after person. Who knows how long he had been at it, how many hours or days of this we cannot be sure. But what we do know is that John kept telling the people, the one who is more powerful than me is coming. And then all of a sudden, the next person in line to be baptized turns out to be that one, turns out to be Jesus, as much as John tried to discourage him, Jesus insisted on being baptized, not because he needed to be, but because we needed him to be, so that we could see who he was. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the heavens tore apart, and a dove came down, and the voice of God spoke, declaring, 
You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The love of God erupted that day. It burst out of heaven, ripping open the sky. It was a love that was uncontainable. It was a love so deep and so pure. It was gospel love poured out on Jesus of Nazareth, not for what he had done, but for who he was, God's, God's own beloved child. Friends, at your baptism, this very same thing happened for you. Regardless of what age you were at baptism, as an infant, as a child, as an adult, regardless of where you were baptized, in a church, at a camp, on a retreat, in your backyard, on that day, you, having done nothing to earn or merit God's favor or attention, you were loved beyond measure, called beloved, and assured that with you, just as you are, God is well pleased. That is a love of which you cannot make yourself worthy. It's free. It's God's work. It's God's gift given to you. Baptism invites us into a new way of seeing, a new way of seeing love, a new way of seeing God's love for us. A love that is beyond all measure, complete and steadfast and eternal. What an incredible gift we have been given. A love so deep that heaven cannot contain it. A love so pure that we cannot earn it. And a love so honest, so tremendously honest, that it declares you beloved. May your 2024 be filled with wonder and possibility of beginning anew as you walk and live in the knowledge of God's unconditional and eternal love for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.